Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, big and tall dudes. You ever go out on St. Patrick's Day, but you can't quite find the perfect St. Patrick's Day Irish green shirt? Here comes Big and Tall Outlet to the rescue. They've got a True Nation Heather Green Ireland Shamrock Tea available in sizes 2X to 7X, including talls. Only $19.75. Also to coincide with spring training, we all know Derek's a big baseball fan at Big and Tall Outlet. Chicago Cubs World Series jerseys, now only $75. 2X to 6X, including talls. Bryant, Rizzo, check those jerseys out. Big and Tall Outlet is still looking for a new co-worker to join the team. Please apply in person at 1333 South Napanee Street in Elkhart. Big and Tall Outlet, located on South Napanee Street in Elkhart. Check out the website, bigandtalloutlet.com, because big guys got to look good, too. From South Bend, Indiana, you know what it's at. I don't. It's Sports Yak with Corey Mann and Chuck Freebie. I'm the booth announcer, Jim Shorts. Sports Yak! And here we go, episode 64 of Sports Yak. Hi there, my name's Corey, along with Chuck Freebie, Hall of Famer, sportscaster extraordinaire. It's the Jerry Kramer episode. Now you might say, who is Jerry Kramer? Is he on Seinfeld? No, that's Cosmo, Cosmo Kramer. Kramer. Jerry Kramer was an offensive lineman on Vince Lombardi's Green Bay Packer teams and pr- threw one of the more famous blocks an offensive lineman has ever thrown he got Bart Starr into the end zone in the 1967 Ice Bowl against the Dallas Cowboys to get the Packers into the Super Bowl. And uh, Dick Schapp wrote a book with Jerry Kramer called Instant Replay, okay. where Kramer kind of outlined his time with the Green Bay Packers, and he became one of the more famous offensive linemen to ever play the game of football. We dedicate this program today to Jerry Kramer. Good old number 64. Can we start off with, uh, this is fresh in my mind, Notre Dame women's basketball? Notre Dame women's basketball has a game with Duke tomorrow night. They looked very impressive in their game against North Carolina State on Monday. Outscored the Wolfpack by a count of 37 to nothing in fast break points. That's kind of a hefty advantage. And they go on to win at 95-72. So now they have the Dukies coming in to Purcell Pavilion where they've never lost an ACC game. Irish are back on top of the Atlantic Coast Conference, looking as though they could be a number one seed, although the bracketology that ESPN did yesterday did not have them yet as a number one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and Enrique Agumbawale is 12 points from tying Skylar Dickens to become Notre Dame's all-time scoring leader in women's basketball, 13, obviously, from breaking the record. We could do a podcast within the podcast called My Two Cents, and it'd sure. be real short. Uh, I thought the game was really fast. It was. The Irish play very fast. Uh, I was 
impressed by the stat that the five players on the floor, Chuck, all are a thousand pointers. That is, and that's very rare in college basketball okay. to have that. Uh, in fact, I would be curious if you could find, and maybe we can do some exploration if that's ever happened before. I also thought these girls have played enough with each other. They know where they're at when the play is unfolding. So there was some pretty remarkable passing going on. But in my mind, they know where they're going to be. So it's going to happen that way. A gumbo wall. I had an incredible behind the back pass yes. where she was saving a ball from going out of bounds. But more than that was the passing on the fast break and the extra pass that they would make where you you look at a player, and many times it was Gumba Wally who had eight assists in this game, who looks like she could be taking it right on into the basket, but instead dumps it off to one of her bigs underneath, whether it's Turner or Shepard, and they get the easier layup that way. And the extra pass, which has so often been a part of Muffet McGraw's teams here at Notre Dame, and at times, especially when they lost those two road games, sort of disappeared where People were looking for their own shots a little bit. I thought that extra pass was back in vogue for the Irish on Monday night. It was interesting. Uh, Muffet kind of called out Marina Mabry in her halftime interview as she was going off the floor. You know, I think uh, China Robinson asked her about the offense and that it was clicking. She goes, yeah, when we're not just chucking up whatever shot we want to put up. And, and then China. Robinson asked her, well, how do you stop Colleen, the the NC State player who had that big first half? And she goes, well, it'd be good to stop giving her layups, which pretty accurate assessment because they'd stopped giving her layups in the second half and forced her further away from the basket. And sure enough, her accuracy dwindled. This tweet caught my eye. I think you retweeted this from Irish Illustrated. If you wondered where rock bottom was for the Notre Dame men's basketball team, the Irish have struck water. Wake Forest, which came into the game 9-15 and 15 and losers of 7-8, of eight, just defeated the Irish at Purcell 74-68. Yeah, it's not bad enough that you lost to Wake Forest. You lost to Wake Forest at home, and that shouldn't happen. Uh, Wake Forest was a team that fell behind North Carolina 18 to nothing last Saturday. They were shooting less than 40% coming in, and they came into Purcell Pavilion, hit seven of their first eight shots. There was no intimidation whatsoever. It's hard to intimidate when you don't have a crowd. Apparently, Stanley from the office was not enough to bring the people into the seats. Uh, Pretzel night was not enough to bring the people into the seats. You know what will bring the people into the seats? Uh, winning basketball team and lowering your prices. Okay. That I might not curry me a lot of favor, by the way, over under the dome, but that to me that's an accurate statement. If someone were to sit you down and ask you what two things we could do, Win, win games, lower your prices. Uh, it seems to work for the women's team. They don't seem to have problem filling the seats. IU-Purdue last night. Oh, IU-Purdue last night was just a bloodthirsty battle in Bloomington. And technical fouls, chippiness, mutual dislike between the two programs. That's really what this rivalry is all about. Yes. And Purdue gets a tip-in from Matt Harms with 3.2 seconds left. To beat the Hoosiers 48-46, Purdue now tied for the Big Ten lead with Michigan and Michigan State. And Indiana, which started the season so promising, which has wins over Marquette and Louisville and Michigan State, so you know they've got the talent to play well. 
and they've lost 10 of their last 11 games. Now, at least last night out of the Hoosiers, you saw something that you hadn't seen. What was that? And that's some fight, some grit, some desire to play the game. Because too often they've been going out there and not realizing the tradition that they represent for Indiana. And just going out there. They were getting beat by 30 against Minnesota, Corey, and coming out of the huddle laughing. How can you do that when you're losing by 30 in a major Division I college game? I don't understand that at all. Welcome to the podcast within the podcast. This podcast is called Rant. You know, you're not you're not playing at Wagner. You're not playing at uh, Montana West or something like that. You're playing at Indiana where those banners have been hanging for a while. You're playing representing a tradition. And this is the biggest problem I hear from people about Archie Miller's team this year. Yeah, they're losing and people aren't happy about that. It's the way they were losing okay. that bothers people. 48-46 seems like a low score. And there was not a whole lot of offensive execution last night. Carson Edwards had a terrible night from the field. I think he was 3-for-21 for Purdue. And Indiana has not shot the ball all well all year. Indiana and Notre Dame, if they were to have a three-point shooting contest, you would have enough bricks to build a brand-new family broadcasting corporation studio. Indiana went into the week 286th in the nation in three-point shooting. And Notre Dame says, we'll see your 286 and we'll raise you six to 292. So these are just two teams, and I don't understand that either. In the state of Indiana, how can you not be able to shoot the basketball? This is what this state is supposedly built on. Basketball, kids going out in the driveway and shoot. Ah, but there's the rub. There's the rub, my friends, because kids don't go out in the driveway and shoot anymore. Nope. Nobody's shoveling off their driveway to go out and shoot. They're sitting inside, play with their thumbs. You've been listening to Rant, the podcast within the podcast. We now resume our regular podcast. A pretty decent game tonight. Nine o'clock, though. I can't stay up for this one, but the Duke North. Carolina game sounds Have you heard about the tickets for this game? I have not. So, because it w- will be one of the few times that Zion Williamson ever plays against North Carolina because mm-hmm. he's turned, you know, the season will end at, say, 11 o'clock on that Monday night when it ends, April 8th, I think. Okay. Okay. At 11.01, Zion will be turning pro. So, because it's the only time that people will ever see Zion play against North Carolina, tickets for this game are going for just shy of $3,000. For, like, even crappy seats? Yeah. Wow. Where's the game at? And That's at Duke. So, it's at Cameron. So, seats are somewhat limited. It's one of the cozier environments mm-hmm. of college basketball. And now, these seats going for, I think I saw 2900 apiece <laughs> yesterday. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you'd never pay that amount of money for a ticket. You are correct. Thank you. You you are correct. <laughs> this friendship's finally paying off. I know a few things about you. Yeah. By the way, uh, as we have progressed in our sports yak and you're a part of the morning show more than ever, uh, I'm still finding new things about you that I absolutely just love. And you'll kind of sneak them in and then you'll keep moving. But I want to stay for a moment and just digest what I just heard. Correct me if I'm wrong this morning as I'm getting ready for my doctor's appointment. My parents once had a bird, and his name was Cootie. Yes. 
Cootie de Fagua, I believe. Cootie de Fagua. What is the story behind that name? My sister had a parakeet, and its name was Cootie, and she wanted my folks to watch him for a while. Okay. Never, never reclaimed the bird. So Cootie lived with my po- folks when they lived over on Greywood Avenue in Elkhart. And were you in the house at that time? For a while, yes. So yeah. you and Cootie had time together? Oh, yes. Did you Did you and Cootie get along? Eh, I could have cared less. Cared less about Cootie? And Cootie could have cared less about me. This feels like a Dr. Seuss book that's unfolding. Nice. And Cootie could care less about me. <laughs> yes. You want to talk high school sports from last night? Sure. I went over to St. Joe last night to scout out the team that we'll have in the game of the week on Friday night. I'd already seen Mishawaka, so I wanted to get a look at St. Joe. Wanted to get a look at this player, J.R. Kinesny. He's a sophomore, 6'7", for St. Joe. He'd been scoring 21.5 points per game. Okay. And they were playing Plymouth, which is a pretty good team. So it was going to be an entertaining game to watch. Our kids go to St. Joe. So Diane schlepped along with me, which she doesn't often do when I go on these scouting Ventures, so it was nice to have her at my side. Uh, first half, Knesny was very quiet, six points, did hit a three-pointer, good balance among St. Joe. They're up by four at halftime. I believe it was 28-24. Uh, we spot some friends over on the other side of the gym, so we go over to sit with them for the second half. I don't know if it was my repositioning or something. Mr. Knesny, who had six points at halftime, finished the game with 34. Wow. He had 28 points in the second half, 15 in the third quarter, 13 in the fourth. Do you think he got a talking to? No, I just, I just think he, I think being a sophomore sometimes, he might be a little reticent to take over okay. at the beginning. Um, but the thing was, he wasn't, he didn't force any shots. I think he might have forced one shot the whole game. So the shots that he was getting in the second half were within the rhythm of the offense. But the St. Joe players, to their credit, also weren't there saying, oh, I'm not scoring any points, he's scoring. They're like, he's got the hot hand. Get him the ball. And so they did. And St. Joe winds up beating a pretty good Plymouth team, 66-56. And after the game, the veteran coach of the St. Joe Indians, Mark Johnson, allowed me into his lair to hear why his team has been playing so well as of late. Are we good yet? The answer is no. Are we getting better? The answer is yes. And and that is the key. And and, and this is why, again, I go back to all of my assistants, and, and we've said this from day one, the message hadn't changed. we got to keep prodding. We have to keep pushing. We have to keep improving. And we've done that. What has made the difference for this team in the last few games? Well, Jared Kinesny is playing at an unbelievable high. I mean, an unbelievable high. And what we have right now, we have our players feeding off of that high. And I think that is something that we didn't have early. You know, we were all kind of worried about who was getting the shots and where the shots were coming from. Now our emphasis is on is making shots, and he's the guy that's making shots. Pretty simple. But it's, it's a growing up process. It's a maturing thing. And we talked about the same thing with the Irish women's team, which has a veteran team, veteran team of college basketball players. And sometimes... It's very tough to get ourselves out of the me mindset and put ourselves into the we mindset. And that's what successful teams are able to do. So I'm looking forward to broadcasting that game. St. Joe and Mishawaka. Mishawaka got a nice win over Concord last night. Some other big games in high school basketball last night. Elkhart Memorial 
goes to Warsaw, where the Tigers were undefeated in the Northern Lakes Conference. Memorial needs this win to get a share of the conference title, and they get it. And they get it because a player named Bracton Miller, who had not been that much of an offensive threat this year, lights it up for 18 against the Tigers, and the Chargers get themselves a share of the conference crown with a 48-45 win over Warsaw. Those two teams, Corey, will play again in the opening game of the Elkhart sectional a week from last night. Then you also had Penn gets a share of the Northern Indiana Conference crown. Uh, they go and they obliterate Jimtown last night. And big games by both Applegate and Lutz round up the usual suspects. Uh, Applegate, I believe, had 22 points, 15 rebounds. Lutz, 21 points, 10 assists. So they both had double-doubles. And the Kingsmen now have their share of the NIC crown. Riley needs a win over Glenn. Marion needs a win over Washington to get a share of the conference crown. Those games will be played on Friday night. Marion, solid last night against Michigan City. We mentioned Washington. They got an overtime win over John Glenn. Ryan Vargas' team, a lot of juniors on that team. We'll probably have them on 46 sometime next year because they're going to be an exciting team. They're an exciting team to watch right now because every game they play seems to go down to the final seconds. They play a lot of overtime and one-point games. So up in Michigan last night, Micah Seats, 20 points for your Lakeshore Lancers. Sean Schroeder's team now 12-5. and five. They beat Portage Central last night. Other winners up in Michigan last night, St. Joe, Buchanan, Bridgman got a win last night. Also, as we look ahead to Friday night, big game up in Michigan has Hartford and Cassopolis for the Southwestern 10 Conference title. I didn't realize this until I was kind of looking at games that we do in our 46 preview. Mm-hmm. Cassopolis has only lost once this year. Really? They're having an incredible season. They're, I believe they're 17-1. and one. They'll play a Hartford team that's 16-2. and two. So that should be a fun game up at Ross Beatty Gym on Friday night. As I was driving in this morning, thinking about what you and I would talk about, when I moved to Indiana... I realized very quickly, via through your broadcasting and just through uh, the media, basketball is a big deal in Indiana. Yes. Where in where I grew up, southwestern lower Michigan, Michigan, football is a big deal. And so last night, news came down that St. Joe High School up in southwestern lower Michigan, uh, my rival school to Lakeshore, yes. uh, finally has a new head coach. And so I made a phone call to Phil McDonald. He's a good friend of ours. I worked with Phil from 1988 to 91, he sat in a, a radio studio across from me at WSJM and uh, threw him a phone call here earlier this morning. And my first question was, is football still a big deal in St. Joe, in Lakeshore, in Benton Harbor? It is. It's a it's a huge deal, and uh, you know they just hired their new uh, head coach, and you know it. And you remember when you were in high school, uh, you know the the big rivalry. Uh, you've got them down there in South Bend, and one here with uh, with St. Joe and Lakeshore, and they take that rivalry seriously. I mean, you know we're. Basketball is kind of a religion down in uh, in Indiana, uh, up in uh, southwest Michigan, from uh, St. Joe Benton Harbor up to uh, the Grand Rapids area over to Kalamazoo. It's it's like football is almost a religion. Can you talk about the search that St. Joe went through to find this new person? Yeah, it started back just before Christmas break uh, when uh, they decided to go in a uh, different direction. Uh, Gandalf Church had stepped down uh, for family reasons and that, and so they started the search, and I think they wound up with 20-some applications, 
And from those, I think they whittled it down to eight individuals who they actually called in for interviews. And it was a long press. I mean, I was talking to the athletic director, Kevin Guzzo from St. Joe. He said each interview, uh, each of the eight went at least an hour, if not uh, well past that, and finally dwindled it down to uh, to three, and then interviewed those three once again, and they came up with uh, Andrew Prattley, who's been uh, up in Holland about 45 minutes from St. Joe, up at the Holland High School since 2013. And uh, how is his career up there? Uh, you know what, he, he took the program over in 2013, and again, Kevin Guzzo was telling me I was unaware of this. Holland uh, is a pretty decent-sized school, but the football program, from freshman all the way up to uh, varsity, I mean, you know, they only had like uh, 20-some kids out in the, uh, the football program. And so he kind of uh, turned that around and got the numbers out, and two years ago, uh, a good enough season where the uh, Football Coaches Association in Michigan named him the, uh, the Coach of the Year, and then the National Federation of High School Coaches named him the Michigan Coach of the Year. Hmm. And uh, he's been coaching up, you know, people in, uh, in southwest Michigan know that, you know, if you're in uh, Class B or Division Two, eventually you're going to run into, like, the likes of uh, Zeeland East and Zeeland West. Well, he coached against those uh, two schools in the conference. So he's gone up against some pretty heavy competition, and so he comes well qualified. All right. So he'll uh, probably move in here pretty soon, find himself a lovely house on the lake, get himself a great view, make some friends, and then uh, it's off to the races, right? It's off to the races. Yeah, he's going to meet the team coming up this Sunday. And then, yeah, you just hit the ground running. He said it was hard to leave Holland, but it was kind of hard to turn down a position at St. Joe. Okay. Well, looking forward to that. Uh, there's so many great rivalries up there. I went to Lakeshore. Uh, you know, so I keep my eye on on what's happening there. I th- I think the Edwardsburg football story this past season was oh my gosh remarkable. Um, can't wait to see what happens there again I this know. season. Uh, yeah. Great, Phil. What else? What else are you working on these days? What's what's going on big in your life? Well, now you guys are already in uh, postseason play for boys, uh, maybe girls basketball. Our postseason starts next week in boys basketball. So we've been all over the place in the regular season. Now I'm just trying to uh, catch my breath and get ready for uh, district uh, play, uh, the first round of the playoffs next week. All right. Yeah, and then uh, hopefully uh, bring in some warmer weather and then hang out at the beach like we used to do back in the day. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Phil, thank you for a few minutes. Great to talk to you. And uh, if you ever need anything from our end, don't hesitate to call, okay? Appreciate it. Yeah, back at you guys, too. I really appreciate the work you guys do. All right. Thanks, Phil. All right. Love Phil McDonald. Phil McDonald is the voice of Southwest Michigan sports. Yes. Does all kinds of different things. He does high school. He does the small college up there with Lake Michigan College and does their games. And he has just been a rock steady presence at WSJM and WIRX for, well, over 30 years now. And and one of the things that Phil does is every Thursday morning he goes out to a different high school and does his radio show from that high school so that they can showcase whatever it is that they want to showcase within their high school sports mm-hmm. department. And I would say this, you've heard this phrase before, you can't find a nicer guy. Oh, no. He is, uh, I don't ever remember him ever being angry. <laughs> I mean, he's just a nice guy. I, I can't think of, and I've heard people say bad words about me. I can't think of anybody who's ever said a bad word about Phil McDonald. Well, and, if they, and if they did, they'd be taken out and flogged.
Sports Yak, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Follow the Yak on Twitter at Sports Yak with two Ks. But the second K is silent. Baseball mm-hmm. yesterday, the news came down uh, right about noontime that Manny Machado was going to sign with the San Diego Padres. It is the largest contract given in free agency in the history of American sport. Ten years, $300 million. Even in San Diego, that should get you by. Ten years, $300 million. So he spurns the offer from the White Sox, which many people are still saying long-term with the incentives that were thrown in, would have been worth more than the San Diego contract. So why would he go to San Diego and the White Sox? Remember, the White Sox also not only brought in Manny Machado's brother-in-law to be one of their catchers, they also brought in his best friend, John Jay, to be one of their outfielders. So the White Sox were trying to surround Manny Machado with as many great pieces as possible to make him feel welcome. In your personal opinion, is he worth that price tag? In my personal opinion, there is no player that is worth that price tag. Okay. But it doesn't matter what I think because, as you know, as I know, as the American people know, all you have to do is find one person who thinks you're worth that. And if you can find that person, then you will get that money. Did you happen to see this young Yankee fan go off Yeah, yesterday? Yeah, I did. I mean, can we can we get a taste of his audio? Do you oh, mind? Feel free, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, might I just say, if if higher pitched voices bother you, get ready to be annoyed over the next sixty seconds. You can take any other guy in the league. I just don't want anybody. I mean, you're not gonna take a guy you hate from another team. Hey, Brett. I, I love the passion of the nine-year-old. I do not want him anywhere near a microphone anymore. Oh, wow, that's up there. That is up there. He's not on helium, kids. That's just that's a nine-year-old with passion about the Yankees. You think he knows what he's talking about, or you think that that's uh, him taking dad's uh, or his favorite uh, sportscaster's take? What do you think? It's hard to say. Yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, I look, I don't necessarily disagree with his point. His point being, when you get used to not liking another guy, mm-hmm. and because the Yankees played the Orioles so often, they didn't like Manny Machado. Right. But there were a lot of people that thought the Yankees were still going to sign Manny Machado because the Yankees seem to sign anybody they want. Money means nothing to them. And and I appreciate his passion. Look, I don't want those guys that I have grown up hating on my team. So he doesn't want Xander Bogarts or Mookie Betts from the Red Sox. He doesn't want Manny Machado from Baltimore. Well, he won't have to worry about it because Manny Machado's out in San Diego, about as far away from New York as he can get. And the interesting thing about what the Padres have done with this team, by the way, Corey, is if you look at their entire starting lineup, all of these guys are under contract for the next four years. 
So they're going to sink or swim with these guys. Yeah, investment. Uh, and while they, they've made the investment, <laughs> they've made the investment in Manny Machado to the tune of $30 million a year. I mean, you think of how many players you could go out and get for $30 million a year. Yeah. So, and the Padres have a pretty good farm system behind it. So we'll see if they have set the table for success out in San Diego way. Well, just love the movies. I just love the movies. I just love the movies. I just love the movies. What do you want, see? Movies. USA Today, today, and I, I don't know if you've looked at the paper this morning. Or I haven't. Okay, on the back side of this USA Today section, because the Oscars are coming up on Sunday night. That's right. And they have picked the best of the best pictures in their minds. Now, when you say pictures, you mean films, movies. The films that won the best picture Oscar. And I believe it was either last year or the year before that they opened it up to even more. I think it was six at first, and now it's ten, maybe? Yeah, it's an, it's an ungodly amount. But this is not about who's nominated for this year. This is about who has won the best picture award over the 90-year history of the Oscars. Okay. And the best of those Best Picture awards. Coming in at number 10, they have Moonlight from 2016. Moonlight? Moonlight. I don't even remember that film. I remember a Moonlighting with Cher. Right, but this is Moonlight from 2016. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Number nine, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Jack Nicholson, Nurse Ratchet. Mm-hmm. It's a, a classic. Yeah. I don't know if I'd rank it that high, but I haven't seen the entire list. Eight, Silence of the Lambs, 1991. Jodie Foster. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, Mm -hmm. yes. Uh, Very good movie. Scared the crap out of me in the theater. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. Number seven, The French Connection. Gene Hackman. 1971. Uh, It says, if you're still miffed that Mad Max Fury Road didn't win a few years back, well... The astounding car chase through Brooklyn and the French Connection mm-hmm. should meet your favor. Number six, I think this movie is completely overrated. Amadeus. Yeah. You got to be in the right frame of mind to watch that movie. I uh, think it's, it's a, too long. Way too long. I think it's a well-made film from a filmmaking standpoint. Yeah. Well acted, but I agree with you. Too long. And... Uh, Really, the last we ever heard of F. Murray Abraham. Number six, number five, excuse me, All About Eve with Betty Davis back in 1950. Never saw it. Number four, On the Waterfront, 1954. I thought that was more of a popular book than it was a movie. Well, Marlon Brando okay. uh, wins the Oscar for this. And uh, Leonard Bernstein had the score, which was a pretty good score, as I recall. Too. He's a big name. Yeah. Number three, Schindler's List, 1993. I've yet to see that film. I have to be honest, I have yet to see it either. I have no desire. I think I want I want to, but I just, uh, other things come up. Number two, Casablanca. Your favorite film of all time. Yeah. And it only loses to number one, The Godfather in 1972. I was listening to the Fresh Out of Bed segment this morning. I did get African Queen right. Very good. Because, uh... Uh, Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. I knew that those two were together in African Queen. Well, let me ask you this, as long as we're talking about movies. Best scene ever. Oh, wow. This was asked on another radio station here locally in the Goshen area, and I thought, great. 
This could be this could be one for the ages. It depends on what you're looking for from the scene, how how you're viewing it. For instance, the there's a scene in Goodfellas where they do a walk where they do the walking shot through the tunnel. Yes, in the to restaurant get into the club, mm-hmm. and I think that's an incredible incredible scene because it was all done in one take you've got this one camera coming through and you have to have all these things happen at just the right time and they all do yeah and and to me that's that's an incredible scene and it's been tried and repeated over and over again in many movies yeah and yeah. and forwards and backwards right you, and you just can't mm-hmm. quite make it happen um Gosh, there's so many scenes and so many movies. How about this? I'll, I'll help you out. Casablanca is your favorite movie. What's your favorite scene in that movie? Well, see, my favorite scene is probably different than most filmgoers' ma- favorite scenes. Okay. The French Vichy police, Claude Rains is the head of the French Vichy police okay. in Casablanca. And they're under pressure from the Nazis to go in and kind of put the whammy on Rick's American Cafe, Rick being Humphrey Bogart's character. So Claude Rains goes in and he blows his whistle and his forces come in and they're shutting down Rick's. And uh, Rick says, on what grounds? And he goes, I'm shocked, shocked that there is gambling in this establishment. At which point the uh, the maitre d' comes up and says, you're winning, sir. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just there are so many wonderful, humorous types of scenes in that movie. But that that's one of my favorites. Uh, I thought about this this morning, and, of course, I immediately went to Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars stands by itself. Fun movie when I'm nine years old, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Here Which, comes, by the way, it didn't make those top ten lists. Didn't make it. Here comes number two. I think I'm 12 at the time. A much darker film. Much more is at stake. And I had no idea, because there's no social media back then, that there'd be a third movie. I just thought, oh, it's just another movie, and it'll end. So you get to the end of the movie, and the biggest villain of our lifetime as a kid, Darth Vader, is kicking the tail of Luke Skywalker. Got him out there on the tail end, cuts his hand off, which was like, oh, my gosh, he cut his hand off. And then he drops the I am your father, which blew my mind. And they had no explanation of how that came to be. The movie just ends. Yeah. And you're like, I can't say what I want to say when I was 12 years old. But it's like, <laughs> and I mean, I, I remember being teary-eyed. just drops. Like, what, what just happened? And uh, I've, I've always thought that's a that was a fantastic, like, emotional Things are happening. There's a crescendo. That and talk about an ultimate cliffhanger. That oh. that is the who shot Jr. of movies. Yes, isn't it? it is. And then they leave you hanging for three years. <laughs> and then uh, you know, here comes Return of the Jedi, which is nothing but a bunch of Muppets. But I digress. You digress. Now, the reason I brought this up today, and I'm not trying to control the content of the yak. Far be it from me to do that. There are no rules. I know. Uh, but one of our listeners, uh, her name is Mary, said, I'm curious to hear Corey's take on the Oscars. So perhaps for Friday's show, mm-hmm. 
uh, you can perhaps give your predictions. Oh, for this year? For this year's Oscars. Oh, I'd love to do that. Thank you. Yeah. That'll be I realize that's not necessarily sports. That's more of the yak part mm-hmm. of sports yak. It's the uh, it's the d- dessert or the appetizer compared to the main course. What am I doing with my hands, Chuck? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Hopefully, whatever you're doing, you're taking your time. Yes. Oh, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> Should we shout out to B. Gene Freeman? Uh, no, nah, I don't think we need to. First tweet ever. Have we had a t- have we had a follow up tweet? No. No. All right. All right. So you can follow us at Sports Yak with two Ks on Twitter, Instagram Sports Yak with two Ks. Get all these emails if you'd like. The Sports Yak with two Ks at gmail.com. Follow Chuck on his Facebook page, Forty Six Sports. Also on Twitter as well. A high quality Twitter follow. You continue to impress me. Well, how so? Uh, you stick to your guns. Sports. You've got a Bible verse for me, which I've kind of stolen from time to time to go, okay, here's my verse for the day. That's fine. Chuck's. And uh, I just love the feedback that you get. You're following a lot of student athletes. You're following college athletes. You know, you do a poll. You get some decent numbers of people participating. We had over 1,000 on the poll as to whether the IHSA basketball tournament should be seeded or not. That's nothing to blink at. That is a big deal. And you've worked hard in your own way to get to that point. That's a big deal. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just, I'm pleased that we're putting something out there that generates that kind of response and interest. Can I tell you something, in, in my opinion, interesting about social media? Sure. In 2009, I joined in 2007 on Twitter. Okay. In 2009, all of a sudden, I got a pop-up ad, buy followers. Oh, yeah. And it was a big deal how many followers you, you had. And when I started working here, that was part of the conversation with record labels. It's like, hey, how many followers do you have on your Facebook page or how many on Twitter? I bought 15,000 followers for $40. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So all of a sudden, I pay the, the price tag, and two nights later... Like around midnight, I woke up, and I had 15,000-plus new people, and I was hovering around 800. Wow. Four or five years later, Twitter wants to put the hammer down on the bots. Sure. Which are basically just fake accounts. Oh, no. I went from (laughs) 15,000 to 5,343. Yeah. But... The fact of the matter is you still had 5,343 actual people following your page. I wonder. I wonder if that's actually how many. Well, I think they I think they did a fairly decent job of trimming out the bots. Isn't that isn't that crazy? That crazy. is crazy. And I still get, you know, Instagram followers. Do you want to No, I don't I don't. Here's the thing that I don't understand. This is probably for greater minds than mine. The blue check mark. Mhm. What what makes somebody qualify for the blue check mark? That you are somebody. And what I, does it I, take to I, be somebody? Because I, I see people that have blue check marks next to their name that I have no idea yeah, who they are. It's it's celebrity. It's um, it's somebody, somebody, and then they kind of give you the blue check mark to say this is really the guy. Like they might do their homework and go, are there any fake chucks out there? Mm-hmm. Any chuck bots? You know, like I'll use, for example, Bobby Bones in Nashville, yeah. radio host. There's a lot of fake Bobby Bones accounts. Oh, yeah. So Twitter looks at that and goes, let's put a blue 
official check on the so guy. So that you know yeah. who. Okay, and that there's a lot of scams. That makes sense to me. There's a lot of scams. There's a lot of Blake Shelton's and Luke Bryan. Oh, yeah. Direct messaging of like, hey, the career's hurting. Would you mind sending me some money? And I'll do this for you. Oh, gee. Whiz. There's no such thing. Yeah. And so, you know, you look for the blue check mark. I don't have a blue check mark, but I am who I say I am. Yes, you are. Okay. All right. Do we feel good? <laughs> do we feel like we've aired it all out? I I have nothing left in the tank. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Until Friday, thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. That's our show for today. Sports Yak is brought to you by Big and Tall Outlet. Because big guys gotta look good too. Sports Yak is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. This is Jimmy Shorts. Until next time, sports fans. That's good. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.